This is Equipping Eve, the podcast that seeks to equip women with fruits of truth from God's Word. In his second letter to the Corinthians, the Apostle Paul wrote, But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. A sincere and pure devotion to Christ begins by being grounded in his word. So let's open our Bibles, ladies, and prepare to feast on the truth God has given us. Well, hello, ladies, and welcome to Equipping Eve. Thanks for tuning in. I am your host, Erin Benziger. Guess what? This is the 99th episode of Equipping Eve. 99 episodes. Now I know, I can hear you. I can hear some of you. You're thinking... I can hear you thinking, can you believe it? It's a gift. It's a spiritual gift. All right, just kidding. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, okay, but this show has been on for a while. And really, you only have 99 unique episodes? It's true. It's true. So not only are we coming up on the milestone of 100 episodes, which I'm pretty excited about, we're also coming up on the milestone of five years of Equipping Eve. So the five-year anniversary is coming up in November of 2019. And honestly, I cannot believe that Equipping Eve has been a thing for five years. Now, it's true, 99 episodes is not that many over the course of five years. As you know, we take breaks sometimes. Sometimes I post reruns instead of new episodes. You know, I'm freely, I freely confess that real life does take precedence over this podcast. I love this podcast. I love all of you ladies who listen, who reach out with questions and comments and suggestions. I love interacting with you on social media. But this isn't real life. I mean, it is, but it isn't. You know what I mean? And just as I would not want you to spend your entire day sitting inside listening to podcasts and other things with your little earplugs in and then you never interact with real people same with me i have a job you know that takes more than 40 hours a week people think a job is 40 hours a week let me assure you it is not even when you're not sitting at that computer doing the work your brain is thinking about that job uh you know there's there are just so many things going on in real life and so yes it's true only 99 episodes in almost five years but I think that's a pretty great milestone. I'm excited. I hope you're excited. And I hope you'll plan to tune into the 100th episode because there might just be a reason that you'll want to tune in. I don't know. Maybe a giveaway? Maybe? I don't know. I don't know. I guess you have to listen. There you go. There's your teaser. All right. So you can keep up with Equipping Eve, all things Equipping Eve, at Twitter or on Facebook, guess what you should search for? Try saying that three times fast. You should search for Equipping Eve, and you will find, if you seek, you will find. Equippingeve.com, that is where you can find all 99 episodes, including the one you are listening to. We're on iTunes. Equipping Eve has its own podcast on iTunes. All kinds of good stuff. Uh, No, I am not on Instagram because I think Instagram is the most ridiculous social media platform I've ever heard of, and I don't understand it. So I'm just going to put that out there. I'm sorry, I don't mean to offend you, but seriously, I don't understand it. Um, You know, I'm okay with the occasional meme or like snapshot, but I I do not understand Instagram. It just seems like such a self-promoting platform. So that's just my opinion. In my opinion. Don't sue me over it. Okay. So Facebook, Twitter, 
It's about as far as, as I go in terms of social media. Hit me up with an email, equippingeve at gmail.com. You can find that on the website. Blah, blah, you know all of this. Okay, so since we are coming up on such a huge milestone, in fact, 99 episodes is in itself a milestone, I just want to remind you, if you scroll down to the bottom of the Equipping Eve website, you will see that the theme music is provided by Jeremy Collins. So this song that you hear at the beginning and end of Equipping Eve was not written for Equipping Eve, but it is performed by Jeremy Collins and I have used it with permission. And uh, his guitar playing is pretty fantastic. So there's a link down there. You can check out his website, order his CDs. He has a CD of hymns now that is pretty great. So I highly recommend that. Uh, let's see, while we're talking about recommendations, this is off today's topic, but it's a book I'm reading for the second time. I actually just finished it yesterday for the second time. And it is Sinclair Ferguson's Devoted to God, uh, subtitle Blueprints for Sanctification. So it's a great book. So here's another confession. When I received this book, I think it was a Christmas gift a couple of years ago, I didn't want to read it right away, not because I'm afraid of reading about sanctification, but because um, coming out of some legalistic teaching, I was really sick of being pounded to death with everything you need to do, 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 do to be an awesome Christian, um, that I wanted nothing to do with things to do. I wanted to just read my Bible and figure out what God had to say about grace and holiness in regard to salvation. Um, and then I did pick up the book a couple months later and it is marvelous and it is so balanced and wonderful. I marked it up with uh, wonderful markings and that's why I went back to it because it is a great book. And if you've ever read anything by Sinclair Ferguson, you know he's super smart but so accessible, and that's why he's one of my favorite authors. Okay, there you go. Recommendations, teasers. Oh my goodness, that's so much. We should just end for the day, except I have notes in front of me. So we're going to talk today. We're going to talk about a verse you probably know well, verses, actually. So turn with me, ladies. You hear that? That's me flipping the pages of a new Bible that I got that I kind of love. It's basically the perfect layout. We'll talk about that later. Okay. So turn with me to 2 Timothy. I didn't give you time to turn there as I was turning, but I want you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Do you know where we're going? We're going right for those last two verses, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 where Paul writes to Timothy, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, there's a lot in those two verses. I know we hear those verses quite often. We like to use that to talk about sola scriptura, you know, it's used a lot in the discernment world, and that's good, that's fine. Uh, that's probably in that context is where I basically memorize those verses. Um, 
you know, this is these these two verses, you know, are really like the quintessential comment in the New Testament on the inerrancy, infallibility, and inspiration of Scripture. Coming from the pen of Paul to Timothy. But what struck me recently was how we love to use these verses for so many different things. And and like I said, they're great foundational, true, wonderful verses. But I think we fail to think about the full implications of these two little verses. And what I mean by that is, what did Paul mean when he said all scripture? And really, I'm, I'm settling there. There's so much in these verses. Like we said, all scripture is breathed out by God. It is inspired by God. And it's profitable. And it's important for all of these things. I mean, this is why we love God's word, right? Because it is God's word. When scripture speaks, God speaks. God speaks to us through scripture. But what was Paul talking about when he said all scripture? And maybe this seems like a duh thing to say, but I really wonder how much we think about it. The fact that when Paul wrote all scripture, those words, what he was primarily thinking about would have been the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament. And the reason that struck me was it seems like sometimes we neglect the Old Testament today. These are favorite verses among evangelicals. Don't get me wrong. We sling them around like nobody's business. But yet we neglect the very scripture to which they are referring. And so I think that we're failing to properly consider really what Paul meant here. And I guess I'm thinking of how so much teaching focuses on the New Testament. And I'm I'm not here to critique teaching or preaching or sermons or anything like that. I just want us to maybe see something that might be a blind spot. I mean, think about it. If you are choosing to study a a book in the in the Bible, just, you know, there's a book that you want to sit down and and you're just going to read through it or you're going to study through that book separate from your reading plan, separate from your church Bible study, whatever. How often do you turn to the book of Nahum or even... um, Leviticus or Exodus or heaven forbid numbers? No, most of us, most of us, if we're going to look at a, if we're going to look at a whole book as opposed to you know cherry picking Psalms or Proverbs, we turn to the New Testament. That's not wrong. The New Testament reveals Jesus Christ to us. You know, he's the Old Testament points to him, but the New Testament reveals him. But the New Testament without the Old Testament is only half the story. The Old Testament without the New Testament, like today's Jews have, they, they do not acknowledge Christ as Messiah, and so they don't acknowledge the, the reliability of the New Testament. So they have the Old Testament without the New Testament. Well, they have a story without an ending. 
But if you take the New Testament and you, you never look at the Old Testament, well, you have a story without a beginning, and that's pretty lousy because you don't know what's going on. If you just pick up a novel in the middle and just, you know, turn to the middle of it and start reading, well, you won't have the foggiest idea what's going on. You know, if, or if you fast forward through a movie or you come and sit down in the middle of a movie, you don't know what's going on. That happened to me the other night. I was flipping through the channels. I only have 10, but I still, I was flipping through them. And there was a movie that looked really interesting, an old movie, so I turned it on, but I realized there was only 45 minutes, half an hour left. Well, I didn't know what was going on. I had an idea, but I've never seen it before. So, so I turned it off so I could wait until I could see the whole movie from start to finish. Now, 2 Timothy, let's do a little background here. So let's think about this. All scripture, that's Old Testament and New Testament. Second Timothy was the last of Paul's letters that he wrote before his martyrdom. So before he died, which would have been late 60s AD, so maybe 67-ish AD. So I thought to myself, okay, how many New Testament books were in existence then at the time that Paul wrote these words? So if this was Paul's last letter, that means all of Paul's epistles were already written. But remember, they weren't accessible to every Christian in the known world at that time. Those letters were written to specific churches and people. And yes, they circulated, but did they circulate to all those churches and people? Probably not. Not until copies were made and all of that takes time. This is all being done by hand, remember. There's no internet. So okay, so if we look back, we figure that Matthew and Mark were both written sometime between 50 and 70. So they were probably around, those two Gospels. Luke would have been written probably in the early 60s. So again, Luke-Acts would have been written in the early 60s. So again, that's around. But how far has it been disseminated? Probably not that far. John wrote his Gospel not until somewhere between 80 and 90. And then he wrote his epistles and Revelation after that. So none of John's writings are around as Paul writes these words. Hebrews would have been being written probably around the same time as Paul was writing. James was the earliest book in the New Testament to be written. And that was probably written in the mid to late 40s AD. So that would have been around. Peter, again, would have been writing in the mid to late 60s. So again, around the same time, how widely has his have his epistles been disseminated? Not throughout the entire known world. And then Jude, again, was being written probably right before the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70. So some of the New Testament books weren't even written. None of John's writings even happened yet when Paul wrote this. And everything else was kind of written around the same time, or most of it. And like we said, they definitely weren't available to all Christians in the known world at that time. So while Paul certainly was referring to his writings and to other New Testament writings, because we know that he and Peter, you know, we know that Peter referred to Paul's writings as scripture. So we know that they had this understanding that what they were writing was God-breathed, that they somehow understood that. At the same time, Paul would have been referencing as all scripture, the Old Testament too. It wasn't like, oh yeah, there's the Old Testament, but all scripture, the stuff that we're writing now, that stuff's all breathed out by God. No, no, all of it. So Paul's scripture, Timothy's scripture, was Old Testament. 
and we see that even in the life of Jesus, don't we? How often did he appeal to the Old Testament when he was talking to the Pharisees and when he was teaching? That was Jesus' scripture. And turn, ladies, turn back to Luke 24. Because this is what is so important for us to remember. Luke 24, verse 13. That very day, this was the day of the resurrection, Jesus' resurrection. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him, and he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back, saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. You see, Jesus wasn't explaining himself out of the Gospels, Matthew and Mark, that might have been written at that point. No, that might have been written by the time Paul was writing. No, no, he was explaining himself from the Old Testament scriptures, from Moses, the Pentateuch, and all the prophets that encompasses, that's, that's meant to encompass all of Old Testament scripture. And so why? Why do we neglect the Old Testament? You know, it's, it's pretty common to hear sermons about coming from the Psalms. You know, those are like standard fare. And there's nothing wrong with that. The Psalms are wonderful and there's great material there. You know, maybe we get a sermon out of Proverbs and Genesis. We get a lot of sermons out of Genesis, but uh, maybe Exodus 20 once in a while. But how many sermons have you heard from Amos, Obadiah, Nahum, Micah, Malachi? You know, with the exception of the obvious messianic passages, these sermons are rare. And I think it's a little unfortunate if we are of a mindset to tend to neglect, even if we're not deliberately doing it, to tend to neglect the Old Testament because there's so much there. That was Jesus' scriptures. That was the apostles' scriptures. And everything the apostles wrote in the New Testament, they wrote through the lens of the Old Testament because that was their scripture.
it's sometimes interesting. It's almost like there's a fear among some Christians that we have to be careful how much we talk about the Old Testament, how much we teach it, because, you know, the Old Testament was written for Israel or written about Israel. And yes, that's true. A lot of it is historical narrative or prophecy concerning Israel. And so we fear that, well, we don't want to go through and spiritualize that text because, you know, that had a specific audience. Well, it did. But if it doesn't have any bearing on us today, why is it in the Bible? Why didn't God trash it? Obviously, there's still something we can learn from it, and it's more than just a history lesson. You see, yes, Israel was a nation chosen by God. And that's the key, right? They were considered the people of God, pointing forward to the people of God today, known as the church. So if God has something to say to his people, we better listen. No, that doesn't mean that we're going to be overthrown by Babylon. But there's still something in that text that we can learn, even beyond just the historical narrative. Because the Old Testament is so much more than just a collection of history stories as Christians then. We have to realize that it is our history and that we need to learn from it. And so I can kind of hear uh, some resistance. No, no, it's Israel's history and we just read about it. Do we? Is it only Israel's history? Are we not the people of God as Christians? Turn to Galatians 3, verse 7. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So, why do we neglect the Old Testament? And I think I'm feeling kind of passionate about this right now because I've been listening to some sermons and studying through some more obscure passages of the Old Testament and seeing how we can learn from them. The warnings to Israel in the book of Amos, we can still take those and apply those principles to us today. And I think we do harm to ourselves when we just read through those books with our reading plan, and never think about them again. I would love to walk into church and hear, you know, open your Bibles to the book of Amos, which has been done because I'm listening to sermons through Amos. Something to think about. Now, if you remember, it was about a year ago, this is 2019, so 2018, that Andy Stanley uh, made his famous comment that we need to unhitch from the Old Testament, and uh, he had it in a book or something. I don't know. I didn't really follow all of it because I quite honestly wrote Stanley off a long time ago as not someone who's particularly doctrinally faithful, so it wasn't really something I kept up with, but... I think so many people who rightly resisted and spoke against Andy Stanley's comments kind of still tend to ignore the Old Testament, but don't realize that they're doing it. 
And so, you know, we piously stand up against when someone says something ignorant and foolish like that. And yet you have to wonder, but wait, are you kind of doing the same thing without even realizing it? And so um, an article came out a year ago, um, early November of 2018, that I just ran across actually, um, at the Gospel Coalition. And I know there are people who think that we just need to eliminate everything put out by the Gospel Coalition. Whatever, you turn your podcast off then because I'm still going to go through this. So (laughs) the article is 10 Reasons the Old Testament is Important for Christians. And so I think there's good things here. And I'm not going to read the whole article. I'm going to read these 10 points. So this is written by Jason Derushi. I don't know anything about him. But he makes good points. So number one, the Old Testament was Jesus' only scripture and makes up three-fourths of our Bible. Huh, well, that's probably important. We like to talk about how the Bible's the word of God. Well, we should not ignore three-fourths of it. Number two, the Old Testament substantially influences our understanding of key biblical teachings. And that's something we need to be mindful of, that the Old Testament should really inform how we're reading the whole of Scripture. Because the New Testament, like I said, they're written, those writers have the Old Testament lens that they're writing through. And here he does say, the New Testament worldview and teachings are built on the framework supplied in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we find literally hundreds of Old Testament quotations, allusions, and echoes, none of which we'll fully grasp apart from saturating ourselves in Jesus' Bible. And by that, he means Old Testament. Number three, he says we meet the same God in both Testaments. Yes, so important. Number four, the Old Testament announces the very good news and gospel we enjoy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You you miss out on, on the first announcement of the, of the gospel if you ignore that Old Testament. Number five, both the Old and New Covenants call for love, and we can learn much about love from the Old Testament. Number six, Jesus came not to destroy the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. Well, that means we should probably know what they say. Number seven, Jesus said that all the Old Testament points to him. We just read some of that there in Luke 24. Number eight, failing to declare the whole counsel of God can put us in danger before the Lord. That's important. And here he has a quote that the Old Testament, while not written to Christians, was still written for us. And I think that's a good, succinct way of saying what I was attempting to say before and perhaps failed, that this is still part of our history. And so, you know, so much of the Old Testament was very specifically written to and for and about Israel, but it's also written for us because if it wasn't, we wouldn't have it in our Bibles today. Number nine, the New Testament authors stress that God gave the Old Testament for Christians. Number 10, Paul commands church leaders to preach the Old Testament. And there's another good quote here that people today can get saved from God's wrath and from the enslavement of sin by reading the Old Testament through the lens of Christ because so much in the Old Testament points to Christ. You know, I mean, think about it. the book of Hebrews wouldn't even make any sense if we didn't have the Old Testament to help us understand the sacrifices and, and the priesthood that it's talking about and how it's so clearly describing to us how all of that pointed to Christ and they were just types and shadows. And now we have the real thing. We have Jesus Christ and he is here and he is king and he reigns. And if we repent and trust in him, We will be saved and we will be with him forever one day. 
There's another good quote. Um, I pulled this from a, another article written by Michael Kruger. So I'm just going to give you this quick quote. Michael Kruger says, quote, the Old Testament was valuable because Christ was there. I thought, yeah, yeah, Christ was there. I know some people get a little antsy. You know, can you really preach Christ from every single Old Testament passage? Well, maybe not every single sentence in the Old Testament is directly a type of shadow pointing to Christ. But if you can't find Christ in the passage and bring your people back to Christ when you're preaching or teaching from the Old Testament, that problem's on you, not on scripture. Because the whole of the Old Testament points forward to what is revealed to us in the New. So as we come to the end of our time today, ladies, I challenge us, all of us, to take time at the end of this year, the end of 2019 here, and to read and to study an Old Testament book. Now, I'm not saying you have to pick up, you know, Leviticus or Numbers. Pick up Ruth. Pick up Esther if you want to. For some reason, those are the only two Old Testament books that women read, and Proverbs 31. So, But there, there are more books in there besides those, but the, those are fantastic books and stories, and I love them. They're two of my favorites, but um, there are others, just FYI. And I ask you to read it and study it, not just with your reading plan, because you're thinking, well, I already went through the Old Testament in my reading plan. No, no. But sit down and read and reread it. Ask questions. Pray over the text. Look for Christ. Look for principles that apply to you today. And see what you can learn, not just about history, but about God and about Christ. Is that a fair challenge? I think it's a fair challenge. It's one I'm putting toward myself, so so it has to be fair. <laughs> all right, ladies, that's all I have for today. So tune in next time. 100th episode will be next time. And until then, get in your Bibles, get on your knees, and get equipped. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.